0: You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast.
1: Well, Blame in church. You guys excited out there? Yeah. You ready to get the Word of God? Yeah. We're in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to dig on in. I'm excited to be with the family today. Uh, It's great to see uh, our sister uh, Shinya all the way from Moscow, Russia here. Uh, She is a single, single sister for you single brothers out there. And uh, she's got probably one of the most beautiful hearts in the kingdom. She's just such a servant. She's such a loving, loving, loving young daughter. And in the kingdom of God, isn't it great that you can be a black guy and have a white daughter right there? I, I, I love that. She's just been an incredible help to me while my wife's been in Perth, Australia. Uh, and it's exciting to have her here. I'm, I'm, I'm fired up to be with the family. Uh, for those of you visiting for the first time, we uh, we encourage you. We want to love up on you. If we give you a hug and you think we're weird, that's okay. We're just trying to love up on you. Uh, we're trying to encourage you because we all need encouragement right there. Uh, I think today's going to be a heavy-hitting lesson right there uh, because I think we serve a God that is uh, he's a strong and a powerful God. And sometimes you need a strong and powerful God to deal with the strong and powerful things that are out there. Uh, the things that tell you you are not and your life has no meaning. And everything you've gone through, you've been sexually abused, racially abused, physically abused. Whatever thing you've gone through, it has no meaning and you get to blame God for all of that. We're going to get rid of all that today and we're going to talk about some things. I hope you're in Second Timothy chapter 3. Let's go to God in prayer. Father God, thank you for today, and I thank you so much for salvation. Thank you for saving me, Father. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to be called one of your sons. I pray, Father, that we become a church that believes in the word of God, uh, that follows the word of God all the way to the death. Father, we know that there were several men in the Bible that followed the Bible to the death. I'm reminded of Isaiah, who laid out the truth, Father, and sadly, paid for it with his life, sought in two, just for the truth. Father, I'm reminded of uh, ben and I, a father who, who who had the word of God frozen to his hand like a sword and help us to be a church that way. Father, we pray that not only can we be a loving church, But we can be a church of the truth, the truth of the word of God. I pray for everyone here today that they're inspired, convicted, and challenged. And they don't leave the same way they came in. Father, we pray that every disciple doesn't leave the same way they came in. That they don't hear the message again and harden their hearts as they did in the rebellion in the Bible. We pray for the Holy Spirit to move at this time to convict not only the world, but two disciples of guilt so that it motivates us. To seek and save the lost. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 2
0: yeah.
1: Timothy chapter 3. Verse 1. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Boastful. Proud. Abusive. Abusive Hang out with them. They're the kind of people that will inspire you to live an incredible, inspiring life. No. He says, have nothing to do with them. Why? They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women, who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil. There's always learning, but never able to acknowledge the truth. This is one of those scriptures that makes you think about the world we live in today. A world where people are lovers of themselves. The cult of me. The cult of my happiness. Lovers of money. I really believe there's really only three major idols in the world. It's it's, it's either money, power, or sex. One of those three things can take you out. Your love of money, your love of power, or your Deluded view of sex or your love of sex. And sadly, I was involved in all three. He says, proud. Meaning no one can teach you anything. Yeah. You are proud. Abusive. Disobedient. Ungrateful. That's huge in society nowadays. Yeah. I really believe we live in one of the most ungrateful times in mankind's history. Yeah. We are not grateful people. And, of course, Paul is writing 2 Timothy, and he's talking about the last days. Now, just so we understand, we are a Bible church. So anything I share with you is in the word of God. It is not me sharing it with you. It is God Almighty speaking to you. And we are a Bible church. That means we go by what the Bible says. One man says, hey, the Bible says it, Michael, I believe it. So that settles it. I go, that's wrong. Because the Bible says it, I believe it, so that settles it, right? I go, wrong. The Bible says it, that settles it, whether you believe it or not. Belief has absolutely nothing to do with the truth. Even if you don't believe in gravity, it doesn't mean you're going to fall or you're going to just float away right there. (laughs) Truth impacts you whether you believe it or not. That's the reason why you don't need to believe in being a Christian for moral Christianity to really have an effect on you or not have an effect in a sense that you aren't obeying the word of God. Truth has nothing to do with what you believe. And here he simply says, unholy, ungrateful, he's just going on about all these things that I really believe are going on nowadays. Simply stated, this is a... Powerful sin list. Yeah. A list of sins that are going on in society. I pray not a list of sins going on in your life. Mm-hmm. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Mm-hmm. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Another letter of Paul's. A couple of pages back. We'll pick it up in verse 1. Concerning the coming of our Lord Christ. And are being gathered to him. We ask you brothers not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy report or letter. Supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. That should encourage all of us. (laughs) He then simply skips uh, skips down in verse 5. He says, don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things. And now you know what is holding him back that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of who? Satan. Satan. Displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles. He says Satan will actually be able to do miracles. But they're counterfeit miracles. Signs. He says Satan will be able to do signs. But they're counterfeit signs. And wonders. And in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. He says there are all these various different types of of evil that deceive people who are already perishing. Why do they perish? Great question. Come on, he says they perish because of their upbringing. Nope. He says they perish because of their racial identity, their socioeconomic status, their postcode. I mean, they're from East London, that's a response. Like. <laughs> West London, they think they're better than wrong, wrong. No, he says none of that. He says they perish for one reason. He says people perish and don't make it for one reason. You may come today and hear one thing that really stands out to you. Truth is absolutely everybody, whether you obey it or not. <laughs> I know for myself, I used to lie to myself quite a bit. But at the end of the day, you really can't lie to yourself. You lie to others, you can't lie to yourself. Because one day you'll look in the mirror and you'll have to tell yourself the truth. And he says people perish for one reason. He says they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. He says that's the only reason why people perish. A stubborn refusal to love the truth and so be saved. So what happens when you refuse to love the truth? I'm sure you guys are wondering that question right there. I can see the gleam in your eyes. (laughs) For this reason. For what reason? Because you refuse to love the truth. For that reason, God does something. So this th- th- this hits us all today. This hits me. I, I am the cook, there we say it. So I'm not going to feed you anything that I don't think is pretty tasty. <laughs> I- I'm going to eat the same. I- I- I'm preaching to you and to myself. Yeah. He says, for this reason, because people refuse to love the truth. God does something to those people. God does it. You know, sometimes you wonder, was that Satan? Was that God? Yes. (laughs) God is sovereign. Satan actually has to ask God for permission to go after you. And sometimes he allows God to, God allows Satan to go after you because God wants to be able to brag on you. He wants to be able to go, yeah, you can attack him all you want. He's going to stand faithful. You can attack her all you want. She's going to stand faithful. But when we refuse to love the truth, the truth of God's word, yes. the truth about reality, the truth about religion. Let me tell you something. They're, they're, they're there's not several religions out there. I want to clear that for you. Today. There's only two religions the right one and the wrong one. Amen. Amen. The one that's right and the one that's wrong. There's only two. And it says, when you refuse to love the truth, God says, for this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. God says, I, I, okay, you want to believe a lie? I'm going to make you, I'm going to send you a delusion so you actually believe you were born that way. Wow. You sincerely believe you were born that way. Now, I'm not making fun or being down on individuals that may feel that way. It's true what we feel, but feelings are not the truth. And even if you feel like you were born that way, the Bible says, the truth says, you can be born again. Amen. You can be born again. And he says when we refuse the love of this, God says a powerful delusion, so we'll believe a lie. And so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted And wickedness. Mr. Dawkins says there's a God delusion. Freud also says the love of God is a delusion for mankind. And yet today I put before you that I really believe the problem in this world is not that there's the God delusion. There's a sin delusion. And that's the title of the lesson the sin delusion. The sin delusion. Romans chapter 1. I ask you a question. You know, I, I love the campus ministry. I love the young people on campus. We have to go down there and share your faith and talk to them about God and inspire young individuals who aren't all bitter and mad and jaded and, and don't want to change anymore and uh, you know I'm married, I've learned everything, I know everything now, and you can't teach me. You know, I like the young people. They they, they want they wanna let you get in their life right there. Now they may go back with you and, and have a little banter with you, as they would say here in London. But at least they really are seeking truth. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I asked the young man a question I'd love to ask you today. I, I, I just simply said, Hey, uh, you know, because he said I, I don't believe in God. I so, well, that's, that's okay. Your belief has absolutely nothing to do with the truth. Don't worry about it. You don't have to believe in God for God is the truth. You don't have to believe in, again, and I use the same analogy, you don't have to believe in gravity for it to be true. If you do not believe in gravity, you're not just going to miraculously float away. Belief has nothing to do with the truth. You don't have to believe. God is real. Eh. I said, but let me ask you this. If atheism was, or if, if Christianity was true, would you believe it? He goes, No. I go, you don't have a problem with Christianity. You have a problem with truth. Mm. Wow. Because if atheism was true, I would totally believe it. Mm. But here's the problem. It's not the truth. <laughs> it's not the truth. If the Quran was true, I would believe it. Yes. Here's the problem. It's not the truth. Yes. The sun doesn't set in a muddy pond as a Quran teaches. Jesus was not replaced with somebody else who bowed on the cross as the current teaches. Yeah. That's just not the truth. It's not the truth. There's so much mist and untruth that's out there. Yes. And then we've got to ask ourselves, if the word of God is the truth, do you believe it? Yes. Will you believe it? Yes. If it is the truth. If you, if you won't, you have a problem with you. You don't want to live a truthful life. 'Cause if something's true, you got to go with the truth. Are you with me here? Yes. I used to think I was humble. Then I got married. And my wife helped me see the truth. And I miss my wife. I miss my wife, man. I I really miss her. She she is she is she's is my she's my she's my rib. And uh, I feel incomplete without her. And uh, what's helped me is holding on to the truth. (laughs) (laughs) To know the word of God is with me. I got the family. I got the church. I got the disciples. Uh, This is my family. This is not a church service for me. This is my family. This is all I have, and this is all I want. (laughs) We've got to be a church that believes in the word of God, that believes in truth. Something happened in Europe, in Rome, in, in, in the book of Romans. Because, of course, we know the Romans actually created and built the great city that you may have heard of called London in 51 AD. But Paul says in 57 a few things about truth that I think we have to glean insight from today. You guys in Romans chapter 1?
0: Yes.
1: Check this one out. The super inspirational scripture. Verse 18. says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who what? Suppress the truth. By their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them. Because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world. God's invisible qualities. He's, his eternal power. His divine nature have been clearly seen. He says you look outside. You look at the sun. You look at the moon. You look at the stars. You look at the world. You look at that and you see God. Yeah. Since so you don't need any other miracle. Yeah. You look out and you see. You think about how God created the world. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then the Bible says he created man in his image. He didn't create the sun, the moon, the stars. He didn't create any of that in his image. You were created in the image of God. That's how special you are. Is that not amazing? God is amazing. We were all created in the image of God. The creator of the universe. You stop and think about that. That That's beyond my depth. I look at myself, I'm going, I'm getting old, got a few gray hairs here, and I was created in the image of God. Okay. <laughs> Don't really believe it, but that's what the truth says. So I'm just going to take confidence in that. Yeah. He says, for although they knew God, in verse 21, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. You see that ungratefulness? Let me tell you something ungratefulness is fertile soil for all other kind of sins to grow in your life. This is they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts. But what did he get them over to? The same things that he's giving us and people overtonalities, sexual impurity, <clears throat> for the, gr- the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for what? A lie. And they worshiped and served created things yeah. rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. He yeah. says, they started to work. You know, th- this scripture is so challenging, but it's so true. Yeah. That we can actually worship created things. You worship whatever controls you. Whatever is controlling you today is what you worship. Now, if God is in control, you say that God's in control, that's who you worship, and to God be the glory. But if you're like me and you lose your cell phone, and all of a sudden uh, the world is going to come to an end, I can't believe I lost my cell phone. Cell phone. Cell phone, where are you? (laughs) I'm going to find my cell phone cell phone. It can't help me get to heaven. But we're so drawn to these small idols, these trinkets, these smartphones that are making us dumber. And he says they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who was forever praised. What happened? Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. We think the wrath of God is some really bad thing that's going to come on us. But the wrath of God is when God begins to give society over to shameful lust. That's the wrath of God. We are living in a time where the wrath of God is being revealed every day. Yeah. The wrath of God is being revealed on the Internet yes. every day because God is giving people over to shameful lust. I remember being given over to shameful lust. I remember looking at pornography on a daily basis. I remember getting involved in masturbation on a daily basis. I remember going to adult bookstores and then calling myself a Christian because God's going to forget me. I remember being dishonest with every single relationship that I was in, completely being dishonest and lying. I remember that. I remember becoming a Christian, a true disciple, and sadly, even falling into gross impurities. Because I exchanged the truth of God for a false intimacy, false image. I struggle with every kind of sin. I stand before you, not a man who's perfect. The only thing good in me is the word of God. The only thing good in me is is God and the word of God. That's it. That's it. And he says the wrath of God is being revealed in the society we live in. Because God is giving us over the shameful lust. Verse 26. Because of this, God's giving them up the shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God. Yeah, you know, I've been doing this for a while. So Six months uh, a year. I've been doing this. I retain the knowledge of God. Since so they think it's worthwhile, he gave them over to what? A depraved mind. To do what not ought to be done. What happens after that? Since so they have become filled with every kind of wickedness, greed, depravity, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, their gossips, slanderers, God haters arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents, senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these things, they also approve of those who practice them. And we stop right there. The sin delusion sin delusion this is what happens when sin deludes you God gives you over he gives you over he doesn't want to give you over but when we refuse to love the truth god gives us over to our sins a few insights from the world economic forum i started to ask myself what is the greatest problem we have in the world What, what 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 is it? What do young people, does this generation think is the problem? Well, what's the issue? How come we can't get along? Why are there wars? Why are there school shootings? What's what's the problem nowadays? How come we have churches that preachers are making millions of dollars and and, and, and they're they're doing it in poor countries? What's the problem nowadays? How come people don't want to believe in God? How come this place is so small and people aren't rushing through the doors to hear the truth? What's the problem nowadays? How come you guys? Please, can you come to? You want? You want? It? Jesus loves. You. Why do we got to do that? Why are people going? I want to hear the truth. What's go? What is? What is the biggest problem in the universe? You know, they did a poll, and they 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 polled this particular research group. Poll uh, twenty six thousand uh, millennials of this generation from 181 countries to gauge their priorities or concerns what they think the problem with the world is i'll tell you what they said 10 number 10 14% of all of these individuals that's 26,000 people said that the problem with the world is a lack of economic opportunity i think that's a problem but i don't think that's the major problem number 9 15% said the problem with this world is food and water safety number 7 or number 8 said the problem is political freedom. People just aren't free politically. They need political change to change the world. Number seven. 16.5% said a lack of education. I mean, if we just educate people more, if we just get them better schooling, the world will be changed. Never mind the age of enlightenment that actually introduced scientific materialism more than God's word. Never mind that. But if we just educate people, that's what they said would be the thing that would change the world because that's the biggest problem in the world. Number six, 18.1 said safety and security and well-being. If we had more safety, if we had more security and well-being, the world would change. Number five, 21% said government accountability. I kind of That's a good one, actually.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> government accountability. We start holding the government accountable, we can change the world. Number four. 31% said, no, 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 no. It's poverty. That's the issue. Poverty. Then 33% said, no, 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 no. It's not even poverty. You know what it is? It's religious conflict. If we can get people to stop fighting religiously, Christians fighting Christians, Muslims, everybody fighting against each other. If we can deal with that, we can change the world. But then 38% said, no, 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 no. If we can get rid of war, if we can change when there's no more war, we can change the world. And then number one, this was the thing. If we could do this, all the problems in the world would go. If we could change the climate, oh. <laughs> I am not joking with you guys. I can you the website and show you the stats. Port- Almost half of them said the problem is climate change. It's just too cold in London. (laughs) We need some LA weather where you came from. People even ask me, what'd you move here for? You're from Los Angeles. What'd you move to London for? I moved here for Jesus Christ. I moved here for God. I moved here to tell people that God changed me. He took me out of Hollywood. He took me out of movies and TV shows. and He took me out of all of that. He took me out of hanging out with these NBA athletes and all this. And, and then some false sense of security. He took me out of all of that and put me in the kingdom of God and gave me an eternal vision to help change people's lives. That's why I'm here in London, England. It has nothing to do with the right You know what scared me about this list? A couple of things. Number one, my, my my son, who's a sold-out disciple, yes. technically he's a millennial. He's a millennial, and this this poll came from people that are that are millennials. And this list says one thing that sad saddens me. That everybody nowadays doesn't see the number one problem in the world is sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nobody said sin. If we can deal with sin, we can change the world. Hebrews yeah. Change the world. Hebrew chapter three. You guys there with me there? Yeah. Don't 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 lose one. I'm not gonna lose on you. You guys are, you don't 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 lose it. don't lose your yeah. deal on me there. Yeah. Hebrews chapter three. We're gonna get a couple more of these, and we're gonna bring it up bring it on in here. Hebrews. We're gonna go over there. The Hebrew writer says some things to us. He says in verse 12 of chapter 3, oh, Hebrews 3, verse 12, the sin delusion. The world is deluded. We don't think the biggest problem in the world is straight up sin. Sin does everything. Sin poisons everything. Yeah. One man said, No, I don't like religion. Religion poisons everything. No, 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 no. Religion doesn't poison everything, sin poisons everything, including religion. Sin poisons everything, including religion. Sin is a problem. It always has. It always will be. Mm-hmm. We can deal with it. If you want to, change, if you're visiting for the first time, you say, "How can I change my life?" Deal with your sin. Yeah, yeah. Not deal with sin against you, like I used to think. You know? Yeah. People wouldn't treat me wrong. Black man, you know we we've had it hard in the world. Racism. The white man don't treat me well, and I won't go humble. <laughs> Victim mentality. Yeah. When we deal with our sins, we can really make changes, not only in our own lives, but we can help others deal with her, their sin. Yeah. Yes. And that's the real big issue in the world, dealing with sin. Hebrews says this here in chapter chapter 3 and verse 12. says, see to it, brothers and sisters. Any sisters in the house? Yes. So "See to your brothers and sisters, that none of you, none of you," he says, "has a sinful, unbelieving heart that, that's what, turns away from the living God." That means he says, "See to it." He says, "You got to look after one another." He says, "You got, you got to go." Okay, uh oh. I see some sinful unbelievingness going on over there. (laughs) I got to go after that brother. I got to go after that sister. He says, See to it that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from a living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. Turn to the person to the right and say, You're awesome. Turn to the person to the left and say, You're awesome. Turn to the person behind you and say, I love you. I love you. <laughs> Tell the preacher he's the most incredible thing in the world. Tell me how awesome I am. Now imagine if you really believed it. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't it feel good when you're encouraged? Yes, it does, it does. feels great when someone says, hey, you're awesome. <laughs> You're amazing. I like your eyes, nice hair. I don't get that compliment very often. Sin hasn't hardened my heart. I'm okay. I, I know the truth. He says, encourage one another daily. The word encouragement means to give the strength of God. So you got to give the strength of God. It doesn't say discourage one another daily.
0: Oh, London. <laughs>
1: You want to get discouraged, Ride the London 2.
0: Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
1: it's just super discouraging. They, there was a sign that says, rules on the London 2. It says don't talk to people. Oh, yeah. This is the rules, do not talk to people. Don't say anything, just be discouraged all day. <laughs> Golly, what a hard life. I broke the rules. I broke the rules. It says, Encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, so none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness.
0: Yeah.
1: We have come to share in Christ if we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. As it's been said today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. This is a powerful scripture, isn't it? Yes. He says a lot here. He says, number one, we got to see to it, brothers and sisters, so we're all in this together. He says, see to it that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart. If I asked you what the most wicked thing in mankind's history was, what did we do that was so evil? What was the most wicked event that a man did against God that God was obviously angry about? You may say, Adolf Hitler, obviously he was the most, one of the most intelligent, creative, brutal dictators of mankind's history, responsible for the Holocaust, Second World War. He believed that the Jews were the problem. He it it was the Jews that were a problem. He set out to eliminate them. Um, obviously his actions resulted in the death of 50 million people. That, that had to be the worst thing anybody did. You say, I'm from Moscow, Russia, I got, I got, I got one. Maybe it's Joseph Stalin for you. 30 years he reigned with terror, violence over the Soviet Union. His decisions led that led to famine that killed millions of people. Uh, forget, forget enemies. I mean, this guy even killed his family members. I mean, he, he just was bad. Uh, under his rule, 1.5 million German women were raped. And in all, he easily killed over 20 million people. I mean, that, that has to be the most evil thing that mankind has done against God. He said, no, 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 I'm Asian. Maybe it's Pol Pot, the leader of the Cambodian revolutionary group. Two billion people. 25 percent of the entire population he killed. You know, I'm from the Middle East. Maybe it's Saddam Hussein. Say, I'm from Africa. Maybe it's Idi Amin. Maybe it's Ayatollah Khomeini, for you. Maybe it's Genghis Khan. Maybe, maybe you're really Christian, Maybe it was, maybe it was Emperor Nero in the Bible who boiled Paul or boiled John, the apostle, to death in a basin of boiling oil. And because of God's miraculous power, God actually never died. He actually got out of the, the basin of oil, obviously severely scarred. He was sent to the islands of Patmos where he penned the book of Revelation. Don't tell me you can't do incredible things for God into the most severe pain. Yeah. Maybe maybe Nero was the worst for you. Maybe it's Trump. Some people think Trump is, the man, that Trump. Trump is actually an acronym. T-R-U-N-P, the reality, you must pray. Okay. <laughs>
0: that,
1: that, that, that's what Trump's all about. If we took a poll here in London. What would we say is the worst sin? Child molestation, sexual perversion, rape, I don't know, mass murder, school shootings, just having one of those in Florida, yeah. 17 people dead. Yeah. What's the most wicked thing? You know what the Bible says? A sinful, unbelieving heart. Unbelief. Unbelief. Unbelief has caused millions and millions of death. To yeah. just not believe the word of God. Unbelief. I-, I gotta ask you. Do you have any unbelief in your heart? This morning. You know what the Bible says? Just don't believe it anymore. Wow. Problems have happened. Failures in life. False teachers. Hypocrisy. You know what's interesting? You ever anybody ever had a bad meal? Bad bad, oh, yeah. bad bad sandwich or something like that right there? You know, I like I like the Asian I like Asian food. Asian food is awesome. I like Latin food as well, it's awesome. I went down to uh, Leicester Square and I went to the Beijing Dumpling House. I'm so excited, and they had a sign up there that uh, the food the place has been shut down for sanitary problems. <laughs> <laughs> Great! I just ate there last night. <laughs> you know what I did? I, I was discouraged. No. You know what I did? I went. I, I guess I'll go next door. <laughs> 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 What's interesting is. You know, we don't have a bad meal and stop believing in food. We just go right next door and get to the next place. That's what it's just went right next door. But sometimes we have a bad experience spiritually and all of a sudden we don't believe in God. I think it's an excuse. We know there is a God. We know there is a true church that believes in the word of God. We know there are true disciples. We know there's a true reality of heaven and hell. We know these things, but sometimes we allow our injuries to be greater than God. How great is your God? How big is your God that you worship? How big is God for you? God is everything for me. That's all I have. He is all I have. This scripture says very, 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 very in Hebrews, sinful, unbelieving heart. Unbelief is one of the most tragic sins against God that you could ever have creep into your life. Because this is written to people that became Christians. Unbelief.
0: Few
1: questions for you. Do you believe in the kingdom of God? Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 says, if you do, seek first the kingdom of God. You know what that, what does first mean? First. (laughs) That means the kingdom of God is more important than everything in your life. It's more important than your job. Quiet now. It's more important than your family that means if your, your family is not in the kingdom of God you've got to imitate Jesus Christ who allowed his spiritual family to be more important than his physical family yeah. that's that's the truth that, that's the Bible, that's not me what happened when Jesus loved the church the kingdom, his spiritual family over his physical family what happened? well in Acts chapter 1 the Bible says his mother became a Christian and his, and his, and his brothers did too they didn't like him in the beginning they go ah yeah we grew up with you how do you be the son of God? Yeah. Carpenter, you're not the son of God. And after he resurrected, and came, oh, yeah, he was Jesus, he was God. <laughs> okay, we're going to change, you know. Jesus had to live faithful all the way to the death. Maybe you got to do that to convert your family. You know, some people will leave the kingdom of God in the name of loving their family. No, you don't. You actually love yourself. Because if you loved your family, you would stay in the kingdom and do everything in your power to persuade them to be in God's kingdom, which is eternal, which means they will never die. They'll live forever with you in the kingdom of God in heaven forever. But when you you sell out the kingdom of God for your family, you really don't love your family, and you really don't love the kingdom, and you really don't love God. Is the kingdom first for you? Yes. First for me. First for me. Yes. The body is a unit. The body is a unit. I mean, we got different units here today. Yep. We have white units, brown units, tall units, short units. Yep. You know what would happen if you just wife grabbed her husband's ear? Maybe wives, can you grab the wives here? Maybe Tracy, you can grab Martin's ear right there. That, that one right there. <laughs> yeah, grab, grab that ear and just pull a little bit. If you pull a <laughs> try, no, keep pulling, pull it, try to see. Would come off and you, try, try to take it off. Would you? <laughs> Starting struggling, guys. You're to struggle. You know what's interesting? When we try to think about our physical body, it, it, it's a lot of pain to take a part of your body off. Yeah. Very painful. It hurts the whole body. Yeah. The whole body. I'll never forget being in an America and having this sill that was stuck, it was glued shut by paint. And I remember trying to show Michelle how strong I was because we had just got married. You know, I'm working out now, HIIT training, I'm strong. And I, ah. Ah. And I finally and it came up like that. And, I was like, <laughs> and then it came out. Boom, right on my fingers. And I went, got to be more careful. <laughs> Smash my fingers. And this head When this part of the body was hurting, without even thinking, this part immediately ministered to it. This part didn't go, you stupid finger, what's wrong with you? You can't you your under the finger right there. You're going to kill yourself. (laughs) No. Immediately. Because this part was injured. When a part of the body is injured, when a part of the church is injured, you have to immediately minister to it. When someone's trying to tear away from the kingdom of God, that's not time for you to stop believing in, a, in the body. That's not time for you to start, well, I guess the body, there is no church. You know, what is wrong? Yeah, maybe I need to pull. You're, a, you're a finger. Let me take another finger. I'm go with you. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. When individuals think about leaving God, leaving the church, we need to get in there with them. You're thinking about leaving God, leaving the church today. We're going to jump all over you at the end of this.
0: Because
1: we love you. We love you. Discipling is a command from God. Command from God. It's a command from God. We all need accountability in our lives, we need someone in our lives to help us with where we're at spiritually. We always have to ask ourselves, do you go after accountability? Or does accountability go after you? Do you ask for people to come into your life? Oftentimes when we don't ask people to come into our lives, it's because we don't believe the next thing. We don't believe we have any sin in our lives and we're deceived. The Bible says to confess your sins to one another. We have to be open and honest about where we're falling short so we can get the help that we need. But when you don't confess your sin, you don't think you. You start believing you don't sin. I had a guy this week, tell me he didn't sin. I go back to sin. <laughs> can't say you don't sin. Come on, man. We all sin. We all mess up. I'm a preacher. I sin every single day. Every day. I do something that's wrong before God, and I know it. Every day, something's wrong. But when we stop confessing our sins, we stop really being able to experience the grace of God. And that's when we get ungrateful. Because the great thing about being a Christian is when you confess your sins, God will forgive you. Isn't it amazing to know whatever you've ever done in your entire life, God can forgive you. If Adolf Hitler would have walked in the doors and been alive and got open about all that God God God's love is so big he would have forgave him. There's nothing that you've ever done that God can't forgive you of. And it's pride when God forgives you and you won't forgive yourself. Because that's one of the problems we can have in society. God forgives you, you just won't forgive yourself. But you gotta confess your sins. So other people can get in there with you and help you on out. The Bible says they're gonna make disciples. You have to believe in that? Yeah. Yes. No, notice it doesn't say go share your faith. It doesn't say that. It says go make disciples. What's the difference between a disciple and a Christian? Well, a disciple is very, very, very committed, and a Christian is someone who's just a believer, right? No. Wrong. You realize for 13 years, nobody ever made, Jesus never made a Christian. So if you're not a disciple, it's because you're not a Christian. The word Christian was used in Acts chapter 11 for the very first time under intense persecution against the church. But before they were Christians, they were disciples. Do you believe that? See, if you believe that, they, they, you'll be a disciple. You, you'll be trying to make disciples. But when we stop trying to make disciples, it's because we don't believe it. This is for the disciples. If you're not trying to make disciples you will fall away it's a matter of time Satan is preaching every single day I like making disciples I love to get into someone's life and share all my problems and how God healed me and how he's working on me and how the Word of God can change everything about you I love that I love seeing someone change I love seeing someone come into the light and go wow Jesus is Lord and seeing what God does. I mean, every time I see Josie up here singing, I remember her coming to Bible talk, and she was kind of a little afraid and like this. Now she gets up before the church, She sings. she's not better than Whitney Houston. I mean, it's amazing. It's like, wow, this is a woman who's a disciple right now. She's got a voice. She's singing about God. She's been changed. I look at Natasha. I mean, she's just just radiant. You know, she's ironed up. She looks like a little flower bouncing around. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing when we see something change. Church, we've got to start making disciples yes. and helping people know the truth. Yes, the truth may hurt at times. The truth sometimes hurts. Yes. Yes. It does. My my daughter Mia Grace is only five years old, and she knows the truth. She she says, "Dad." I said, I said "Dad," am I, I said, "Mia, am I doing okay today?" She goes, "You still have spikes."
0: <laughs>
1: spikes are when I need to shave. Oh, God. Does the girl look great? No, you have spikes. You need to shave your spikes. I think I shaved them. She goes, no, you did it right here. You need to shave right now. Thank you, Mia. She just tells me the truth. <laughs> we got to love the truth. And the truth is, if you're not making disciples, you got to ask yourself, are you a disciple? I've got one point for you. One point. I got two, but I'm only gonna give you one as we close out. Luke chapter sixteen. You guys still with me here? Yeah. This one point should clear everything on up and give you some action actionable faith. You go out and you have faith that does stuff.
0: Preacher
1: Luke chapter sixteen. I believe people are being loved in the hell and That scared in heaven that's what we need a bit more we're afraid of everything but God yeah. yes. we're afraid of failure afraid of joining a church Afraid God. all these things but how about the fear of God how about just going you know I can get right with God Luke chapter 16 as we close out heaven and hell are realities it says there was a rich man in verse 19 Now what's powerful about this parable is it's not a parable Jesus gives several parables, and then he gives a real story. This is not a parable. All of you who read your Bibles, because he doesn't start it off the parable. The others are parables that he leads up to, this, but this one is a real story. It says, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple, which was the luxury uh, color of that day, dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came. And licked his sores. I mean, can you imagine this image? This guy is not only destitute; he's covered in sores, and the dogs coming just lick, lick the sores. He's got some pus oozing on out right there, and so the dog goes, "Oh yeah," and just licks it on up right there. That was for the teens in the house right there. He says, "The time came." When the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side, the rich man also died and was buried. There it's confirmed. Everybody is going to die. Isn't that inspiring?
0: <laughs> like, whoa, what's this? We're
1: all going to die. There's one thing we all share in common in this room. We're all going to die. We all share a common destiny. Heaven or hell. We will go to heaven or we will go to hell. He says, in hell, verse 23, where he was in torment. Hell is a place of sensation. He says, in hell where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. Here it's confirmed. People in hell see people in heaven. People in heaven see people in hell. What is hell? Hell is the total and complete absence of God. You can be in hell without even going to hell. Your life could be hell when you have absolutely no God in it. I know. I lived a life that had no God, and I had a lot of the world, had a lot of money, had a lot of sex, had a lot, lot of luxury, A lot of Vegas trips, lot of partying, a lot of hangovers, a lot of money, a lot of, lot of that. I didn't have a lot of God. My life was hell. It's the total and complete absence of God. Religiosity is not God. It's hell. And that's why people don't want to go back to it. No, no, no. you're not going back to God. You're going back to religiosity. What you're afraid of is religiosity, which you should be afraid of that. Hell is the complete absence of God. And so the Bible says in verse 24 So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me. And send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. This guy is not only in he's arrogant in hell. He still sees Lazarus as his servant. Uh-huh, yeah. He didn't say, Go get at how about the other people that probably lay at my, my door? Save them. I didn't have compassion. No, he goes, Send Lazarus. He's in hell giving orders. That's scary how arrogant how what sin will do to you? Yeah. It will make you disillusioned even in hell. People in hell are still disillusioned. This guy is in hell and he's still got the sin delusion. Wow. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is in comfort. He is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between us, notice plural, and you, you can be very lonely in hell, a great chasm has been fixed by God. So that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. There is a desire to go to heaven when you're in hell. There is a desire to reach out when you go to heaven for the people that you ever reach out to. He says, those that want to go, can't. I wonder how many people right now, right now, in hell, for those of you visiting, you're here because they are just crying out for a true Christian to reach out to you. Those of you that have had people pass away, I wonder if that's what really Motivated that disciple to talk to you to bring you on out today. He says. In verse 27. Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house. I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he's still being rebellious in hell. still dictating the terms. He's in hell, and he's saying he's still trying to... T- t- no, let me tell you how it needs to be done. No, no, no. I'm, I know I'm in hell. I'm burning. This is really painful down here, but let me tell you exactly how it needs to be done. The word of God isn't enough for me. I, I, no, that's not enough. The Bible's not enough. I need some miracles outside of the Bible. I need the Apocrypha. I need some other things. says, no, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them... They will repent. He said to them, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Heaven and hell are realities. Heaven and hell are realities. Um, Are you going to heaven or are you going to hell? Right now. This guy never overcame the sin delusion his whole life. He never saw the love of money as sin. He never saw the love of pleasure as sin. He never saw evangelism as anything that mattered. He never saw belief in God as anything that mattered, sin delusion. He never saw being poor was actually better in this life so that in the next life he would be rich. He never saw that. The sin delusion. One man deluded by sin. He went to hell and still had the sin delusion. Arrogant in hell. Prideful in hell. Desiring to go to heaven in hell. I wonder how many people right now in hell are desiring. I wonder if you could go to the cemetery and roll back the carpet right there. Just roll back the grass and look down in the faces of people in hell. What would they say to you? No money, no pleasure, nothing is worth hell. Nothing. I guarantee you they would probably say, Get right with God today. Mm -hmm. Get right with God. Become a true Christian, go to heaven. Stay a true Christian, go to heaven. Give up everything you have and be a disciple, go to heaven. Live forever. Eternal joy, eternal happiness, a huge family, no more tears, no more crying, no more pain, no more delusion, no more sin. That's what they would say. And so today, as a church, it's time for us to truly, truly let the word of God be our standard. Deal with the sin delusion in your life. If you are not fruitful, you are not faithful. Fruitfulness is not something for the paid ministry staff. It's for every single person that is a disciple in this room. And if you're not trying to make disciples, Jesus will cut you off. John chapter 15. I won't. Nobody in the church will, but Jesus will cut you off. And you will not make it to heaven. You will come every day, but because you didn't actually embrace the call of God, and use the Holy Spirit's power that God has given you to go out and serve other people people in love, you won't make it yourself. You won't make it. We don't have a baptism today, and that's going to stop. We're going to be baptized people. We're going to help people not go to hell. I studied the Bible with my mother all the way up to the end of her life. She didn't make it. She didn't want to believe in Jesus. Even on her deathbed. I looked into her eyes. I pleaded with her, Mom, please go by the Bible. Please go by the Bible, Mom. Please, please, Mom. Just please hear baptized mom. Please. Please mom. Please mom. please, mom, please, mom, please, mom, please, please. I begged, mom, please. My family was yelling and screaming. I was just begging her. I was there for days. I quit my job. I just gave my heart. I said, please, Mom. Please, please, Mom. If you're not in love with God, you won't make it, Mom. Please. Mom, please, do you believe in the Bible? She said, okay, I believe in the Bible. Do you believe in Jesus? Okay, I believe in Jesus. i sure, show the scriptures on Jesus. Do you believe in the kingdom? Okay, I believe in the kingdom. There was only one study she said she didn't believe in. Sin. She would not deal with her sin. She died outside of Christ. In that moment, it was time for me to accept the truth of the word of God. It was not for, time for me to be angry at God or anything. And the pain of that is still in my heart to this day. And I use that pain as fuel for the journey to save every single person who I come in contact with, be it male, female, Every older woman I try to treat like a mom. I try to hug a lady today. She's like, get okay, back away from me. <laughs> right. Mama, I got Mama Sue right up the front. It's time to get serious about the kingdom of God. Let's go make disciples. I love you. God bless you. Let's all stand, please.